You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentary's Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show. Monday the 16th of October and glorious autumn morning here in TW11. Not particularly warm, however, and there's rain forecast later in the week in the build-up to Kipco British Champions Day, where the going already is currently soft at Ascot. That's the latest update from the course. Could we be looking once again at what John Gosden memorably described as specialist's ground for the most valuable day in British racing? And if that is the case, will his big guns even run Mostadaf in Spiral, Nashua? And could the Trainers' Championship be handed to Aidan O'Brien, who's closed the gap down to 300,000, courtesy of his exploits at the weekend, which is where we must start with the brilliant performance of City of Troy in the Dewhurst Stakes. Aidan O'Brien's eighth Dewhurst Stakes, eliciting superlatives not just from him, which you might expect, but also from Ryan Moore, which you might not have done. Uh, Jane Mangan is with me now. Where does this performance rate for you? And is City of Troy about to enter the pantheon of all-time greats? He looks like he could be the best horse that Bally Doyle have had. I don't want to go putting him in the words of Frankel just yet, but growing up, I remember watching Rock of Gibraltar, who looked unbeatable. I remember Giants called him being a legend. And in the intervening period, they've had great horses, but have they had the one that you would put in terms of an all-time great, like a See the Stars or a Frankel? This guy looks like he could be it. Even pre-race, walking around, so unassuming, so uncomplicated, the way he's ridden, his stride pattern, the fact that Ryan can send him forward with confidence. And he, he just seems to be a, a tremendously uncomplicated horse who has the ability to match. Time form, I've put him in at 124. Frankel had a juvenile time form of 133. But I, I think that's unwise. The horse has only ran three times. He missed the Curra. Every time we've seen him, he's been out of this world impressive. I will take a line from the the time form synopsis of the race. Uh, He remains all in all a most exciting prospect who could develop into one of the all-time greats. Let's for a second just look at him and his bloodline and how important that is to Coolmore. We know the investment they've put in to justify and how good he is. I want to take a moment to look at Together Forever because she herself, a winner of the Phillies Mile back in 2014, in the Phillies Mile, she beat a filly called Agnes Stewart, now the producer of Fallen Angel. They're the one of the top two uh, juvenile fillies in Europe this year. The third in that race was Winter's Moon, the filly that then produced Earthlight. So what a Phillies Mile that was. And then if you're going to look at, at Justify himself and the year that he's had, he's now got Ramatuel, Opera Singer and City of Troy here in Europe. I know there'll be people saying, oh, maybe they should move him back to Ireland. But he just seems to be one of those horses that can get you anything in either hemisphere on either surface. Because did anybody really expect City of Troy to handle soft conditions as well as he did on Saturday? I think that's what good horses do. They just win. No excuses. No pre-race this and that. Post-race this and that. They just win. And that's what he did. I like that. Uncomplicated brilliance. And that's what... That's what Justify seems to have given the likes of Opera Singer and now City of Troy as well. Right. Just uh, suspend your disbelief for a moment, Jane, and imagine that City of Troy was yours and that you were going to map out his campaign for next year. And what would you be dreaming about through the winter? What would you do with him? How would you how would you campaign him? 
I'd be going to Guineas and I'd be going to the Pre de Jockey Club and then I you don't what? Know, what? I don't know, yeah, I don't know if I'd go well and a half. You asked me what I thought. You asked me. Oh my don't god, know, I wasn't expecting like that. Don't not like when you ask an opinion. Just because you don't like it, don't find the Jockey Club. Have you gone completely bonkers? She's gone. No, no, I'm not. I'm after digging my heels in because you asked my opinion. I gave my opinion. I would go then champion stakes. I don't know if I'd go a mile and a half with this horse. Oh, my goodness me. Uh, you win the prize for that, the, the, le the least ambitious campaign for City of Troy that you could have come up with. Am I stopping in June? Am I? Is, is that, am I going to retire after the jockey club? What are you doing? Are you giving him a break between the jockey club and the champion stakes? No, I want to win the Judmont at York. All right, fine. Okay, I'll give you that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and then after in, in the autumn, I'm not sure what I would do then, but I don't know if I would go to Epsom with this horse. I know the Coolmore Partners, Triple Crown, Epsom means everything. Not everybody subscribes to that anymore. Oh, well, yeah, but they do. I mean... Well, you clearly don't. I, well, I, I admire wow. that they do, but that that's that's everybody's different. You asked my opinion. Now I'm going to ask yours. Are you going to do what everybody <laughs> expects them to do? <laughs> well, I I obviously wanted them to go to plan A, which was to run him in the middle park and then run him in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Dirt to see if he could be a Kentucky Derby horse. But clearly that's not going to happen. So now he's won the Dewhurst. All right. I'll I'll revert to something more akin to the conventional, and I will start with the the guineas. Then I'll run him in the derby. Job done. He's certainly not gonna not gonna need a trial, I don't think. So guineas, derby. Um, then where do I go? I might be tempted to to have a look at either the eclipse or the Irish derby, depending. I'd be I'd be tempted to to do a John Ox and wait till the last minute there and see what might be the most suitable. I think give them that, and then. Uh, I'd have a look at the Judmont International. Yep, yeah, that'll do. And then I would have a crack at the Ark. And then I'd like to run him in the Breeders' Cup Classic, please. And I get the whole St. Ledger narrative with, of course, a, an American Triple Crown winner producing a British Triple Crown winner and the first Colts Triple Crown winner since Nijinsky and so on. And I understand the historical significance and what it would mean. However, nowadays, I don't want to say it, but... I just want to see him run against the best horses. And he's not going to be running against the best horses if he runs in the St. Ledger. So there you go. That's my plan for next year. Bid, bam, come on. It beats the Prida's Jockey Club and the Champion Stakes, doesn't it? Look, you're not akin to winning bets lately, Nick. Oh, I wondered when that was going to come up. So, yeah, for those of you who've been bored by this particular narrative, Ilang Ilang beat City of Troy to a Group 1 success by 24 hours, and therefore I have to take uh, Jane Mangan to the Wimpy in Slough next time she's over for Royal Ascot, which I'm looking forward to doing. Um, she was good, but is she a classic contender for next year, do you think? I think she's good. I think the best is yet to come with her. And I was impressed with the fact that she managed to win despite suffering significant interference from Shawari and See the Fire. So uh, I I think she could be, yeah. I, I, I know Valley Royal Juveniles are extremely good this year and there's, there's a lot of depth, but this filly will stay further and the fact that she's relaxed will give her a chance to improve as well. So yeah, I do think uh, Ylang Ylang. I think the, the best is yet to come from her. I was hugely excited, as you know, from her debut. I was deflated after the Moy Glare. 
I thought it was a masterful bit of training to get her back. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think she'd win a group one after her, her bombing out at the Curra. That Rockfell run was inspired and it paid dividends on Friday. Good weekend for Charlie Appleby. Just as some were seeking to write him off, he won five stakes races in about 36 hours, including four with juveniles. And that really is the key point, isn't it, Jane? You want renewal. You want horses who are going to be real ones for next year. Were there any amongst his that really struck you as a as a classic winner in waiting? Maybe dance sequence or maybe uh, the winner of the of the autumn stakes, uh, Ancient Wisdom? Yeah, I liked Ancient Wisdom. You're talking about City of Troy for Epsom. Well, maybe we saw two huge contenders for Epsom on Saturday because Ancient Wisdom was very good. Um, he, he again, what is he? He's by, he's by Dubawi out of Golden Valentine. He couldn't have done any more in beating Chief Little Rock. I was actually quite impressed with Arabian Crown and the Zetland as well because I had been at the Curra when Gaspar de Lemos uh, won his maiden and I thought he was, he was dour and that he wouldn't give in. But this guy had more class than him. Um, so that was obviously over 10. So we might see one or two of them again before the year's out, will we? Um, possibly. You mentioned the filly as well. Uh, Dan Sequence, she won the Oso Shark quite well. I also have to tip my hat to uh, Kieran Cotter. Uh, Matilda Picot has, for a filly who runs as hard as she does from the front, he's managed to keep her on form quite consistently all year. Um, she's been... I think she ran the Guineas trial back in April, finished third in the Guineas and has been running hard ever since. So that to win the Group 2 uh, under Oshin Murphy was a good performance um, on, on Friday as well. So I don't know what her next steps are. There's talks that she's in a sale. There's talks that they might keep her and race her on next year. But either way, Matilda Picot for small connections was a very good result. He was indeed. Um, let's talk about Asheen Murphy's trip to America. Went there to ride Morge in the Queen Elizabeth II at Keeneland. She won. She just got the job done against inferiors, but she travelled through the race like much the best. What would you do with her now? Would you go up in trip to the Philly and Mayor turf or back in trip to a mile? I I don't know. I I, I they rode her they rode her like she was assured to stay. It was nine around the bend. He just basically made all he held on. Lindy was flashing home, just about held on. I'd say she's very good at a mile and quick ground, but if you were going you know American racing better than me. You could probably you could probably stretch her out for an extra furlong, but yeah, that's that's what everyone keeps saying. I would keep her at the distance that she's good at. I think I'd keep her at a mile, and she's a she's a half sister to Modern Games, and that should give you a clue as well. I would keep her to a mile to the Breeders' Cup mile. I know they got Master of the Season the same race, but they're different branches of the same stable. I'm sure the ownership will be tempted to split them up. I would leave her at a mile. And all that provides us with quite a neat link to what's going to happen this weekend because one of the key contenders for the Queen Elizabeth II stakes on Champions Day, the big mile race, is Tahira, who's won three straight group ones this season following her defeat at the hands of the aforementioned Morge in the Kipco 1000 Guineas. So I put in a call to Tahira's trainer, Dermot Weld, and asked him to update me on the Phillies' progress into the weekend. So many of the European stars on show on Saturday. One such is Tahira, who looks to be going into a red-hot Queen Elizabeth II. Stakes her trainer, Dermot Weld, is with me now. Dermot, what's the what's the latest on Tahira? How happy are you with her? Good morning, Nick. Very happy with her in every way. Um, she's come out of her excellent win in the Matron in good form. And uh, she's all set to take part on Saturday. 
uh, provided the ground is suitable. When you say suitable, I'm presuming you mean a little give. Yeah, exactly. So there's no extremes, if you know what I mean, as long as the ground is an extreme. Just looking at her season in the round, three group ones and a narrow miss in a in a group one as well. It, it's pretty pretty solid to say the very least. Which do you think's been the best of her performances this year? Uh, it's hard to say. She's been a model of consistency. Remember, we spoke way back in the spring of this year, and I said before the English one thousand guineas, I needed another two weeks. Remember, explained to you about fillies in the month of April and the late March, how they often take time to come. And um, she ran a wonderful race, but not just maybe at her peak for the 1,000 guineas in England. She put up an excellent performance when she won the Irish guineas. I thought she was extremely good at Royal Ascot. And then she beat two older mares when she won the matron. You know, she beat a four-year-old and a five-year-old. Funnily enough, going back to that 1,000 guineas at Newmarket, the, the form's looking pretty good now as well. The pair of the miles clear. Moore just come back off a long absence to win in Keeneland. Matilda Picot looks like the best seven furlong filly around. It it actually is standing up as a as a as a really good classic. It was. It was indeed. And on the day, I thought, despite she needed another two weeks, it would take a really really good filly to beat her, which it did. And you did say as well when we spoke in the spring, you, th- you said, I'm, I want to save her a little bit for some of those best autumn targets, which is always a way you've, exactly. you've done exactly. things. Did- exactly. And, you know, consistency is what you try to achieve as a trainer. And consistency at Group 1 is what we enjoy doing. And do you think there's a possibility, given all of that and given the way that you've trained her and been quite circumspect, is there a possibility that we're about to see a real breakout performance against the toughest opposition. She's a very dependable, very consistent filly. And I'm quite sure she'll run a very good race on Saturday. As I said, my only concern is the weather forecast really now for Friday night, Saturday morning. All right, that was Dermot Weld. And I was wondering why he was so concerned about the weather at Aska. And it is an updated forecast, which looks a bit grim, to be honest. After the rain that fell, at the back end of uh, of last week, the going was soft. Now, it's going to be dry until Wednesday. I mean, it's not warm here. It's, it's cool. So it's not going to dry out that much. And then there's 15 to 20 mils forecast between Wednesday and Saturday. According to the latest BHA Asker update, Jane Mangan, we could be looking at the, the, the Asker quagmire again come Champions Day, which is not what we wanted at all. And certainly not what John Gosden win- wants if he's going to win this trainers' championship with his son Thady, Mostard, Affin, Spiral, Nashua. None of them want soft ground. No, um, but it is the time of year and we have been surprised that we had a good ground arc. So don't be surprised if we have a soft ground day at Ascot. Look, Tahira ran a very good race in the Guineas behind Maud on soft. Arguably, some will say she was a bit unlucky. And then when you she ran in the Guineas. She obviously won at Ireland and she won at uh, at Royal Ascot and she misses the entire summer because they wanted to give her a break. Don't come back and complain about soft ground if you're going to miss the entire middle of the summer. Well, um, in, in fairness, Demuel just said he didn't want extremes of ground. No, no, and, and I, I don't think she does because her best form when she won the coronation, good to firm, she was brilliant at an Irish Champions weekend at Leprosan and good but she'd missed a couple of big targets because they wanted to give her a break and maybe that was the right thing for her to do. But I think she's a leg- legitimate contender against Paddington. I think she's a really good filly. I thought she's 
probably one of those where we're only scratching the surface and arguably her her performance at Leopardstown was the best she put forward. So um, I know, I don't think anybody wants an extreme of, of, of conditions. Only Paddington has proven at Goodwood that he can kind of plough a field, can't he? Yeah, I mean, as regards Paddington, Jane, I just wondered whether his own peer group, that's to say the three-year-olds he was beating earlier in the season, were up to much at all. Uh, Emily Upjohn, I don't know which Emily Upjohn turned up in the Eclipse, but not the one that turned up in the Coronation Cup, I fancy. And yeah, then he slogged through the mud at, 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 at Goodwood. It was a very creditable performance, I thought, in defeat in the International, despite what Aidan said after the race. I'm fascinated to know what he can do now, but it could just be that the race thins out and he can handle conditions better than anything else. That may well be the case. Look, he's he's had a busy campaign. Everybody knows that. Uh, he was brilliant at Ascot. Uh, I agree with Emily Upjohn in the, in the Eclipse. I think she was not best at 10 furlongs anyway. Um, he handled conditions very well at Goodwood and and his run at York was very respectable. Nashua, obviously, to see if she can confirm that form. But if he if he can plough a field and he can he can get through the ground, that might put him uh, at an advantage over Tahira. But it is fascinating if the two of them do meet because she is a legitimate uh, frightener for him. Uh, who who I don't think can plough a field is Mustadaf. And no, you're no. going to tell me a little bit more about the actual current favourite for the champion stakes, Orizondor. Orizondore is um, owned by the Shaboobs, who, of course, owned Ace Impact, trained by uh, Patrice Cotier. Now, you remember, he trained his first Group 1 winner earlier in the season with Sauterne. And he had been known as a, a very small trainer of just a, a handful of horses. But it is now a matter of public record. And Jour de Gallo ran a piece about this, asking whether it was right at the beginning of September, that he is the front man and the brains and the assistant trainer is the currently uh, unlicensed, because his license was taken away from him, Cedric Rossi. Uh, Cedric Rossi is a, a big part of the, the Cotier uh, organisation. And that really is is a explains why this horse has been doing so well and why this stable has suddenly been thrust from relative anonymity into group one limelight and i think there are a few arched eyebrows in france as to why this has been allowed though it is perfectly within the france gallo rules as things stand so that is why um you've got a, an unfamiliar name as the trainer of a group one favorite of the champion stakes and a very well fancied one and a horse who absolutely bolted up the other day though they will be very con different conditions again and king of steel is this a horse that wants really soft ground roger varian doesn't seem to think he'll mind it and at 10 furlongs i suppose it's okay but yeah i think the, this horse's size deceives people i was talking to frankie dottori who'd ridden him a piece of work and he said for, he's the biggest horse he's ever ridden but he said he's deceptively fast and, and when you get a huge horse like that, you think, well, they'll want a trip and soft ground. And I, I'm not sure he necessarily wants either. I would say with regards King of Steel, I saw him at Leopardstown. He is, if you saw him at Cheltenham, you would say he was huge. He is massive. And I I, I do think an ease in the ground is, is going to see him to better effect. I do think he's better than what we saw at Leopardstown. So with Frankie on, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if he got the job done. And I think he'll be a formidable horse next year if all the wheels stay on the wagon but I'm always when a horse is that big there's more as as people always say there's more surface area for injury I hope everything stays right
Well, Kipco British Champions Day could get off to a, a real bang, even if the ground is sodden. Well, especially if the ground is sodden, probably. Should Trushan make it four wins on the spin in the long distance cup? He's come back from his breathing operation in great heart with two victories in the Doncaster Cup and then in the Prix de Cadran last time. Here's his trainer, Alan King, on how he's training into Saturday. Yeah, it's all going well, Nick, really. Um, came out of France in good form. Um, he did a little bit of work on Saturday. Robin Smith, my assistant, arrives every day, but very happy with him. And um, he's having a little session on the treadmill this morning, which again he loves. So, yeah, listen, so far, I'm very happy the way he's, he's returned from France. And that victory in, in France last time, I mean, the, the ground must have been about as quick as he would have wanted it. Well, he wouldn't have run on Sunday. <laughs> we only just got away with it, you know. Um, but we would, you know, tried a lot over the, through the night and over the Sunday morning. So yeah, we, we were fortunate it was the first day. And do you think really it's just a sign of his general well-being since you since you tinkered with his breathing? I think so. Yeah, I mean it's yeah, it seems to it seems to have got him back to sort of where we were, or, or certainly on the way back to that anyway. And you look at the race on on Saturday on Saturday, and I know Kiprios is in there, but how how hard do you rate his task relative to his three previous victories in the race? No, oh, it's good. I mean, I haven't seen the, the confirmations yet, but yes, I'm, it, it, it'll be tough. It always is, and I, I thought Kiprios ran a very pleasing race first time back, you know, and he's he's had plenty of time to get over that, so he, he's. Um, He's going to be very difficult to beat, I would have thought. And the more I watch Trushan, the more I realise what an, just what an unusual horse he is because he can do things in a race that you, you don't see a lot of stayers do. He'll suddenly lock onto the bridle and show this remarkable mid-race enthusiasm. And you think, well, he can never get home from there. And he just keeps going. Well, that's right. I mean, Doncaster was <laughs> was pretty awful viewing. I mean, I've never seen a horse do so much wrong and still manage to win a, a good race like that, you know? And... Um, you know, he was just very fresh that day, and they, they kept slowing it up. But um, um, certainly, France was much more um, enjoyable to watch than, than Doncaster had been. And I remember that that first um, long distance cup he won at Ascot, when he really sort of took everyone by surprise with that display of shock and awe. And you think, well, there he is, held up, and he, he again he sort of suddenly took off, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Look, he's, 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 everything he's done has been quite remarkable through his career. So, you know, nobody should be surprised, really. I'm certainly not. He's uh, he's, a, he's a remarkable horse. All right, Jane. News from Ireland that we need to deal with. First of all, a story in the Irish Examiner that caught my eye as regards the Jockeys Accident Fund and its funding and a large deficit forecast. What's happening here? Yeah, so the company, the Jockey Accident Fund, has recorded a loss of €610,000 in 2022, which is after uh, recording a surplus of 118 in 2021, has raised a lot of eyebrows. The latest accounts show the company recorded a 351000 increase in administrative expenses and €333,000 in a negative adjustment in the fair value of financial assets. Now that's all over my head and I don't want to confuse anyone, but basically it's worth knowing that the fund was originally founded back in 1933. It was listed as a charity in 2014. However, it was removed from the register of charities in 21, April of 21, and is now a company registered to the IHRB on the Curra. Uh, we know uh, that the JAF has been operating at a deficit um for quite a while. I think the average operating deficit has been 116,000 euro. Uh, there's been a particularly high 
deficit in 2022 due to increased physio costs and a higher than average uh, number of injuries. And I think the current period, January August, January to August 23, has shown a 25% increase in benefit payments compared to that of 2022. So we can expect the the expense to get even higher. So this, Nick, is, is unsustainable. We know it's unsustainable. Back in June of this year, uh, the journal.ie wrote that there was a discrepancy of tens of thousands euros of euros about the IHRB accounts. It amounts to a discrepancy of around 50,000 euro across three organisations with a fourth group receiving 18,000 less than previously stated in the accounts. Now, I, I don't know, I might be joining the wrong dots, but Nick, does this have something to do with what Dara O'Loughlin called a grave matter back in June of this year? Well, who knows, Jane? But what we do know is that the Jockeys Accident Fund Secretary for the Accounts of 2022 was the IHRB and its Chief Financial Officer, Donal O'Shea. What happened to Donal O'Shea around the time that Darrow O'Loughlin was talking about a grave matter? He was placed on voluntary leave from his role without prejudice to his position pending an investigation into a financial matter. And I asked uh, Darrow O'Loughlin on, like on Sunday on Racing TV, live at the Curragh on Irish Derby Day, whether uh, this was a matter that involved the IHRB's administration of um, what were formerly uh, charitable organisations, and he uh, declined to comment on that. So you can draw your own conclusions. The honest answer is, I don't know, but we are simply placing the facts before you. And now to the case of Carlos, K-A-R-L-O-S-S, horse of that name, now trained in Britain by Sam Drinkwater. But in case you're thinking, I remember that horse's name from not that long ago, it's worth refreshing your memory as to why we remember that name, Jane. Yes, because Carlos was one of four Charles Burns horses involved in a gamble at Down Patrick, who was due to run there, but was a late withdrawal due to getting injured in... Uh, transit to the races we remember the owners were actually in, involved in taking the horse home that day um carlos has subsequently never ended up running for charles burns he had started his life with um the mcnamara's he went to ian o'connor he was due to run that day on the 23rd of august in down royal never actually ran and now turns up at sedgefield last week um trained by Sam Drinkwater, ridden by Robbie Dunn. He, his starting prices in Ireland was 125 to 1, 150 to 1, 200 to 1, 100 to 1, was being gambled off the boards that day at Downpatrick, didn't run, and he goes off at 4 to 1 in Sedgefield. There's not been a lot of talk about this horse. And he, and he bolts up, by the way, at Sedgefield. That's the, that's the salient point. Yes, he won comfortably, as the Racing Post would say. Carlos, uh, yeah, it, it just, what can we say? What can we, we say that people aren't already thinking? We can say this. We can call the IHRB and ask them if they have a, a view. And the answer is um, there was no comment proffered. We can call the BHA and ask them whether they've done anything about it. And the answer is they're not really sure at the moment. So uh, there was no official question registered in the stewards log after the race uh, i did ask whether because the horse had changed hands and moved countries from ireland to england that would then negate an inquiry about improvement of form i was told no that wasn't the case they would still ask the question though no question was actually asked and given that the horse started at four to one when having not started at anything short in the triple figure price all his previous starts i'm not suggesting anything uh, untoward or any skullduggery 
but you have to ask the question, especially when we're working against the backdrop of a guy that's doing a 12 stretch at the moment for uh, landing um, coups and uh, falsifying a horse's ability uh, whilst getting it handicapped. Well, particularly as well, because we've had a couple of instances where trainers from Ireland have gone to the UK. They've been pulled in and questioned about market support for horses or form of horses pre-race. I don't know if that's happened to English-based trainers in their own jurisdiction where they've been questioned prior to a horse running. But this seemed to fly completely under the radar. I haven't seen it on any newspaper, many things online. But Carlos would have been the talk of the town had he been part of that gamble in Downpatrick. And now he just pitches up here and dots up first time up for a new trainer. Well, the richest turf race in the world took place on Saturday. The Everest at Randwick, uh, 20 million Australian dollars. It was won by the Joe Pride trained Think About It, uh, beating I Wish I Win, New Zealand bred trained by Peter Moody and Catherine Coleman. Now, there is a, a very interesting punting story to this because 10 million New Zealand dollars have been paid out. That's about £4.87 million sterling to one extraordinarily, well, I was going to say lucky, but kind of brilliant punter. To explain more, I'm joined by our New Zealand correspondent, uh, Michael Guerin, who's with me now. Michael, what's the story behind this? Remarkable story, Nick, as I say hello to you and your listeners. The Everest, obviously being such a big race, was heavily promoted in New Zealand, which is, of course, just next door to Australia. Now, the New Zealand TAB is the sole domestic betting agency, and it's been taken over by Entame, the UK betting giant run predominantly out of Australia. They wanted to get more interest in their brand. They wanted to push the Everest because the race had been slightly underperforming with New Zealand punters. So they came up with a promotional idea. Any TAB account holder, so anybody who had an online account with the TAB could have a free entry, a free shot at the stumps at the Everest, but to win 10 million New Zealand dollars, you had to pick the entire field's finishing order. 12 horses in exactly the right order. If you take form out of the equation, Nick, and rate them all as equals, the chances of doing that are 479 million to one. They ensured it, of course. Good promo. No one thought it could be done. Well, they got a shock on Sunday when they found out Hunter had picked the entire order in the correct order for all 12 horses, and he gets $10 million cash from the New Zealand TAB. They're over the moon because they paid the insurance company. They had already paid the premium, Nick. Therefore, it doesn't cost them any money. They've had enormous news coverage. In fact, leading New Zealand's biggest newspaper website today on a day when there was massive rugby with the Rugby World Cup and two days after New Zealand's general election that saw a change of government. It gave them that much momentum. The money they paid for the insurance premium by Entain and the TAB being paid back in spades for one punter, though, Nick, who pulled off the 479 million to one miracle, he's getting paid in 10 million New Zealand dollars. And do we know the identity of the punter, Michael? 
Um, he was wanting to be spoken to by a quotes today, but not named in the papers. So he said basically he wasn't a big racing punter. He logged on to his account for a usual look and to have a few rugby bets. And he decided, well, it's free. Let's have a go. So he wasn't trying to say he was any genius or the greatest analyst in the history of racing, Nick. He's a guy who had a shy at the stumps. And on Wednesday, he's going to have about $10 million new dollars turn up in his account. It's a fascinating racing story. And even though the Everest is, of course, about the horses and Joe Pride and the occasion, all of us who have dreamt the dream when having a big punt or a big multi, well, Nick, I think that's a story for all of us. Well, he's knocked over one stump at the MCG from the boundary rope at Sydney, Michael. It's an extraordinary story. Thanks so much for sharing it with us. Always a pleasure, Nick. All right, thanks to my guest today. Jane Mangan is still with me. Has something for you for today? Yes, the first race at Goran is a seven furlong handicap, and I think Rhythm King loves this course and distance. Mark Fahey and Gavin Ryan team up. He's somewhere around seven to one at the moment. The 120, the Goresbridge handicap, could go the way of Rhythm King. Jane Mangan suggested that the Prix de Jockey Club should be the target next year for City of Troy. May she hang her head in shame. Until the next time, bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.